0: The FirstNet Emergency Communications Network is not just for local police and fire departments. The federal government's first responders and disaster recovery agencies also need FirstNet. In fact, they maintain membership on the FirstNet Governance Board. For more, and for the second part in our series, FirstNet Update, I spoke with the Assistant Director of the Emergency Communications Division at Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, Ron Hewitt. We started with what the big idea is for the network beyond voice communication. Isn't the basic idea at some point that communicators would be able to share images and access databases and so forth so it's not simply a voice radio replacement for FirstNet?
1: Oh, no. in, in, in particular, that's the real power of this new network. In the past, everything's been done with land mobile radio, which was strictly voice communications, and now, with the ability to actually be able to send pictures, videos, images, uh, when we were in um, March of this year, we were down in uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, where the University of Mississippi uh, signed a partnership with FirstNet to do rural telemedicine. Uh, there's a high mortality rate in rural areas because you can't get ambulances there, and then you have to get them all the way back to the hospital. But if you have telemedicine, you can actually deploy that, and that's what they're... Uh, Working with FirstNet, University of Mississippi, is actually revolutionizing telemedicine throughout the United States.
0: And just one technical question on that coverage question, and that is normal cell service requires towers, big towers, and some people don't like the looks of them or they make them look like pine trees or something. But with the quicker advent of 5G, which can be transmitted using very small types of micro cell type of technology, little boxes, would that... If it comes soon enough, could that obviate the need for big tower infrastructure in some of the unserved areas at this point?
1: Yes, you're exactly correct. Uh, they, FirstNet is looking, uh, working with AT&T to look at how 5G is going to be integrated into the build-out. And, and have less in, extrusive uh, towers and stuff that's going to uh, make it much difficult. Because uh, in, in, in that world, we call it NIMBY, not in my backyard. No one wants that tower there, but if you can make it so it, it fits right in with the surroundings. Well, mother, for the,
0: I, the right can. rent, I'd put one in my backyard, that's but there's already <laughs> coverage there. Tell us about FirstNet and federal agencies. What
1: That's a, a great timing because just recently the uh, – Coast Guard, my prior agency, and FEMA have both subscribed to FirstNet, and, and with that, uh, there are over seven thousand two hundred and fifty uh, agencies that have already subscribed to FirstNet with over six hundred thousand devices. It's it's doubling every six months as we roll this roll it out, and so right now the network is made up of federal, state, tribal, and territorial. Uh, members on the network.
0: Because interoperability for federal and non-federal is a big issue as much as it is for among the different state and local entities. Oh,
1: it's a, it's one of the biggest issues because any large-scale incident, you are going to have all levels of government working on that incident to help uh, recover. And one of the biggest issues is that federal government is under the NTIA, which is the uh, National Telecommunications and Information Administration and Commerce, they control the spectrum, whereas Public Safety uses the uh, Federal Communications Commission, FCC. And we've been working with both of them to make sure that they have shared frequencies. But now with FirstNet, you have that shared capability to be able to interoperate.
0: And having awarded a couple of years ago that contract to AT&T, the first net, or let's say the emergency communications new generation, my word, communications market is not necessarily fr- uh, non-competitive, is it?
1: Oh, no. It's actually, uh, uh, as you know, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, all those are supporting public safety. But that's what you want because unlike our conversation, if, if you lose a signal and you drop call – it's not a big deal. You would call them back later on. But in life and death situations, it's critical. So to have all that capability in public safety's hands is critical. And and it's also supporting the more applications developers for mobile apps. Uh, we're seeing at the uh, trade shows at the Association of Public Safety Communications Officials, International, APCO, and just recently down in Orlando at the National Emergency Number Association, Nina, uh, on the trade shows. Vendors you never saw two or three years ago. But because you have AT&T, Verizon, the backing of them, you're starting to see a lot more people supporting public safety because you never know when the next time you're going to need public safety to support you.
0: We're speaking with Ron Hewitt. He's Assistant Director for Emergency Communications at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, part of Homeland Security. Sure, but given the goals of FirstNet, which is absolute priority communications and always available no matter what, and interoperability, If, say, in a given zone or within a given couple of bureaus of a federal department, say, whatever, two different entities that have to communicate, what if one has an AT&T contract and one has T-Mobile or one has Verizon or they have Verizon and T-Mobile and not AT&T? Do you still get the first net goal of interoperable and always available and high-priority communications with the services those competitors to AT&T are offering? Well, Again, as
1: long as you have the proper roaming agreements and, and ability to do that. But even, even today, you could be AT&T and I'm, I'm Verizon. I can still uh, talk to you, right? We still have that sure. ability. So that's that capability that we don't have right now. And it's the key thing is that you don't exchange business cards at the incident because then you won't have that capability set up. What well, we work with uh, public safety is to ensure you identify all the communications capabilities ahead of time, develop plans to be interoperable so you can achieve it at that incident.
0: Because in the old radio, it was a push-to-talk type of situation, what I call walkie-talkie. That's probably an old-fashioned word. In the smartphone era, there is, I guess, push-to-talk-like capability. So you have fundamentally different technologies, and you, but yet it, how does that work so that you're not physically dialing somebody's phone number in a situation well
1: no everybody now is an ip address but you can relate that that's you know to a phone number and that's why i'm saying you have to be ahead of time to know what your ip address is plugged into in, into your system so that you can put them on the same talk group whatever if you're using uh radio over I, uh, ip over radio to be able to talk to from a cell phone into a land mobile radio. You have to have that pre-configured.
0: God, so say in a given mutual aid territory, in a state or something, those mutual aid partners, which might be different jurisdictions or different towns or different counties, would nevertheless be wise to get together and get all of that arranged before something happens.
1: Correct. And that's actually what my agency does. We work with FEMA. We're actually the program manager for the uh, National Incident Management System (NIMS), the and what they follow every public safety agency during an incident is the Incident Command System. Within that, there's a communications unit leader who drives that. But with FirstNet and stuff, we've now created a Information Technology Services unit, which will support FirstNet and other broadband capabilities, so they can have that connection when they're at the incident.
0: And what about within the federal domain? I mean, within Homeland Security, you've got, say, FEMA and Coast Guard, for example, which you could conceive of as responding to the same incident. In some cases, it could be outside of Homeland Security, like justice, that is to say the FBI. And so are there arrangements being made so that all of those agencies can interoperate in an emergency?
1: Yes. The NIMS ICS holds for all federal, state, local, tribal, territorial responders.
0: And finally, given what's Developing a 911, a next generation 911. How does FirstNet capabilities tie into the 911 efforts? Well,
1: public safety communications is going through unprecedented transformation with the technology, with FirstNet coming online, next generation 911 coming online. Most people around the country don't know that today you cannot send a picture or a video uh, to 911. You can only call, and in, in some areas, you can now text. They're just slow. They're just slowly rolling out text capabilities. But with the advent of FirstNet and Next Gen 911 in the future, we'll be able to send a picture of your lost loved one uh, into 911. That picture can go out to FirstNet and then uh, actually through FEMA. The, uh, in, the alerts and warning systems that can actually target through cellular capabilities, you can actually have that go out to citizens, too, to help for that lost loved one. So, so we can
0: say goodbye to the milk carton once and for all. Yes. <laughs>
1: you know, we're finally, you know, like I say, citizens today take for granted the ability to Snapchat and... Uh, you know to send pictures and videos that doesn't exist in 911.
0: Ron Hewitt is assistant director of the Emergency Communications Division at Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. And tomorrow in part 3 of our series FirstNet Update, we'll hear from AT&T, the company that holds the FirstNet contract, and on Thursday from Verizon, which competes with its own priority network. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com/federaldrive.